Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am Jameson Dance. And I am Dave Smith. And this episode is sponsored by Dev Mountain. We'll hear more from them later. Uh, also, Soft Skills Engineering, if you are not aware, is a show where we take questions on all of the non-technical aspects of being a software developer, and we attempt to answer them. We take them, and we do not give them back <laughs> in exchange for answers. We harvest knowledge from them, like <laughs> squeezing out an orange. That's and why we've you got, feel sticky every time you're done with this show. <laughs> we've got just a juicy one right here. Do you want to read it? Oh, the metaphor. Okay, yes. So this comes from listener Joe E. He says, do certifications help me? How much do certifications help in the job search? In performance or compensation? What kinds are best in development? Am I then a specialist or can I still generalize? Certification time. Well, I think Joe is just about to get certified in certification. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best I could come up with. Do you have a joke certification? Because I don't think (laughs) I might have to revoke it. So we both had a pretty quick knee-jerk reaction to this question. And I want to explore it a little bit because... I think I'm right, as always, right? If I think a thing, obviously it's right. But I wonder if there's some bias in our from, from just our background and the industries we've worked into. And uh, tell me if I'm summarizing your reaction incorrectly, but it was a pretty negative reaction to the idea of certification and how much it helps and and the value of it even, right? That is correctly summarized. It seems as though maybe you have a certification in summarization. Mm-hmm. Got it from... Never mind. I'm going to stop that joke there. (laughs) Joke dead. Uh, Why do you think that is? Uh, Why do I think that certifications are not generally desirable in our industry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so before we go into this too far, we should say that Jameson and I both identified several exceptions to this rule. But uh, for the jobs that we've had and the coworkers that we've had and all the experience that we bring, which is like a little bit, just so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wellspring of experience. Yeah. Um, we have never seen a certification benefit an engineer. I- including in the hiring phase, right? Like you yeah. see, you, you're you looking at a resume, you yeah. see a certification, you go like, oh, this will this pushes this person over the edge from not no. an interview to interview. Not in my experience. Not when I hire people. In my experience, it's often gone the other way, even <laughs> where the... The presence of many certifications on a resume is kind of a red flag because uh, to me, it gives the appearance that they didn't actually do anything in their job. So they kind of reached out for these external crutches that all you do is you just pay money and um, you get a piece of paper back well, you, that says you, t- you, you got to take money. a test and stuff, right? I mean, it's, yeah, they're but- not like totally trivial. Aren't, well, again, my inexperience. I have no idea. I've never so, attempted to get one. Are, some of them are really involved. I'll tell you okay. that. Um, and, and and we should probably point out some of the exceptions to this rule right now. But like, first of all, if you're going into like an IT position, maybe a server admin or a, like a, a help desk position or you know something like maybe doing IT infrastructure for a large corporation, I actually think certifications are very valuable in that field. Um, there was a, a Red Hat certification for a long time that I think was pretty prominent and really valuable for people who did that, like Cisco certified network engineer or something like that. Um, and it's like very task specific or very job function specific, but 
as a software engineer, I think a lot of new developers come into the industry and they think, what what can I do to get a leg up? How can I become a better engineer? And they like go for these certifications, which actually don't help you become a better developer, right? They they just teach you a tool, you know, and I don't know. That that's that's my opinion. That's been my experience with them. Yeah, it's it's really tempting on both the employer. I I can see the appeal on both the employer and the employee side where the employer wants to know, like, how can I know if someone is good or not? How can I know if if it's worth hiring them? And the employee wants to prove like I am worth hiring. And the idea that there's this magic test that you take that if you pass, you will prove. I think that's kind of not very true for software development because it's so involved. There are so many different layers. There's so many different skill sets that I have a hard time believing there's one certification that can prove that someone is a good developer. Yeah, yeah. The institutions that certify people, usually they charge money for them, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this weird incentive where like they want you to give them their money. So they want you to get the certification. So, well, I got to push back on that one a little bit because I think, you know, universities, higher education are in the same, they have the same conflict of interest, right? Yeah. And yet, yeah, but it's it's four years long, so <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. No, I was thinking the same thing while I was saying it, but it just feels different where it's that short of an of an experience. Yeah. When I first started programming, I was in my programming class, my first programming class in college, and it was Java, but I was interested in the in the web, and so I was googling a bunch of stuff and like, how can I? work on web stuff? How can I prove that I know it? And I stumbled across W3 schools, which if you're a web developer, you're, you're groaning now. They're kind of this um, famously spammy resource for a lot of like DOM APIs and all kinds of, all kinds of like web development API stuff. And they're pretty good at SEO. They're <laughs> so good at SEO. They've gotten a lot better at actual content recently too. They used uh -huh. to be pretty um, horrible and now they're just okay and kind of like spammy. But they also make money by selling these certificates and they have like an HTML certificate and a JavaScript certificate. And I think it's like a hundred bucks or something. You take some tests, you pay them. And if you pass, it'll say like W3 schools certified HTML developer or something like that. And I thought at the time that that would be like my ticket to gainful mm -hmm. employment. Um, For I $95. Yeah, I didn't know anything. <laughs> Your golden I, ticket. I couldn't do anything, but I, I thought, like, I need some way to get my foot in the door. Um, and then I was a poor college student, so I couldn't afford the cost, so I didn't actually do it. <laughs> but it appealed to me then. And looking back, like, there's no way that would have actually helped me. And if there was an employer that that would have helped me get a job at, it wouldn't have been a very good employer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got two candidates here. They look identical, except one has a W3 Schools HTML. This man passed the hollowed HTML W3 Schools <laughs> test. They don't just take anybody at that institution. <laughs> Do you know what their admittance rate is? It's astronomically low. <laughs> so this is probably a good time to introduce that we're rolling out a new soft skills certification program. <laughs> Uh, all you have to do is tell five friends about it and you get the certificate. And if you don't, you get haunted by the spooky soft skills ghost. Um, I wonder if some of the, okay, I have heard back in the day in like the early 2000s, um, 
Actually, I think it was before the dot-com bubble burst. So even before that, I heard someone mention that they got a certificate of some kind and it granted them an automatic raise. And they worked at some Mm -hmm. giant tech company that was pretty bureaucratic, but it was just like, get this thing, get this money. That's it. Mm -hmm. I think they were more of a sysadmin type though. So that goes back Mm -hmm. to your earlier point. Yeah, yeah. But, But yeah, I think there's this connotation of like kind of very large corporations that aren't necessarily known as being super tech savvy that's what i think of when i think of these certificates uh yes your biases are showing james they are showing <laughs> and i've never worked at a company like this i've never gotten a certificate right i'm i'm making stuff up but <laughs> i challenge you to go get one this week go spend <laughs> go spend the money and get an html certificate that's called new journalism it's where you embed yourself in the topic and that's you just right. write about yourself um so you i'll do, do that expose <laughs> yep The other, I wonder if there's some influence from more traditional engineering disciplines too, right? Aren't there tests you have to pass to be like a mechanical engineer or a civil engineer or things like that? Those are, I think those are called professional certification programs and they're actually administered by like a professional industry organization for the discipline. And, and there's this thing called a professional engineer and my mechanical engineering friends have done that and they have the certificate certificate and it's like legit. Yeah. It's like, it's like the bar for lawyers, except for engineers. Yeah, and and that's why you really can't call software developers engineers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can call them whatever you want, but you can. <laughs> but you might be wrong if you use certain words like engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder if there's some of that influence from these more traditional engineering disciplines mm-hmm. where this idea of there's this thing that you pass that proves you are one of us. And because software engineering has so much more fuzziness to it, you know, there's so much more like craft and art and opinion and nuance. And and maybe there is to all these other fields too. And I don't know, but I think, I think you're, I think you're right, but I think it has a lot. Sorry. I guess I, what I'm trying to say is I'm glad that nothing like that exists. Like the de facto standard, you pass this and you're a professional software developer. And the reason I'm glad is because that thing would have to be revised every six months. You know, I mean, physics doesn't change that often. So mechanical engineers can take their certification um, and like it turns out the gravitational constant is still the gravitational constant, you know, 20 years later. But in software development, it's like, what are they going to test you on? You know, what technology are they going to test you on that's actually going to be around in a few years? I think you're right in that the cutting edge tech changes so often, but I think it's even the other problem where there's some things you learn about being a, a good software developer that you can't just learn in a certificate program like it takes a long time a lot of experience i mean the the lesson of building a good abstraction you kind of only learn how to do that for most people i feel like once you've built a lot of really bad abstractions or worked (laughs) with a lot of really bad abstractions (laughs) and i don't know how you can just tell people like build good abstractions and and tell them in more detail but there's some stuff you just feel after a while so it's Mm -hmm. it's both that there's all this fast moving, um, quickly obsolete knowledge. And also there's this long, like, it's like, we haven't figured out how to teach that in a systemic yes. way yet. Yeah. You just or, kind or of learn how, it even over time. Even how to do it. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like things that were best practices five to 10 years ago are considered anti-patterns now. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that, I don't know, it kind of dovetails with your comment, but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. So maybe that's it. It's like experience is the only certification. 
And if you work at a company where there are a lot of people with certificates or you yourself have them and you're just like, these guys are so wrong about this, I would love <laughs> to hear about it. Because again, yeah. Yeah. I am speaking from my experience of only working for, I've, I've never worked for a company with more than like a hundred people, right? I've only worked at these smaller companies and they're mostly all tech startups and it's a very, um, it, it's a certain kind of culture and there's, there are lots of other kinds of cultures in development. Yep. So I, I admit Absolutely. I'm speaking from, inf from ignorance, uh, but especially if you're looking to get a job at a, at a tech startup, um, I would say a certificate would actively harm your chances <laughs> yeah. as a software yeah. developer. It wouldn't like destroy your chances, but I agree. It would definitely hurt. So the, la the last thing I want to say on this topic is if you're new to the industry, beware of predatory certifications, people who just want to take your money and give you a certificate that actually doesn't help. Yep. Just be super careful. Be sure to check it out. And don't just ask the, the <laughs> certification vendor, <laughs> you know, whether it's helpful. Be sure to ask other people in the industry. Yep. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to spend quick. money and not get much out of it. Oh, there's one other area that I've seen certifications become helpful. Um, in InfoSec, which is a short way of saying information security. Uh, an InfoSec engineer requires very specific training. And I've seen some certification programs that actually look really good. And I've known people who've gotten them that look really like they've really benefited from them. So I know I less than nothing about that. So I will take your word for it. You mean you'll take my facts? Yes. And accept them. <laughs> I <laughs> Fact approved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question, Question answered? answered. Question answered. All right. It's sponsor time. Soft Skills Engineering is sponsored by Dev Mountain, a boot camp with campuses in Salt Lake City and Provo, Utah. They do iOS, web development, and UX UI courses. They have full-time and part-time um, courses can range from 12 to 16 weeks. They actually offer free housing as well if you are taking their full-time course, which can make it a lot easier to commit to, um, to, to make the commitment to attend the course. Last week, we met Barbara Liao, who graduated from Dev Mountain a while ago. Here she talks a little bit about how Dev Mountain prepared her to deal with a constant change in technology. It, that is definitely something I think that Dev Mountain is really good at is you definitely feel comfortable being uncomfortable and not necessarily understanding everything and kind of getting like being okay with that. Um, and then you can kind of approach that because that's kind of like everything. Like everyone always talks about JavaScript fatigue and oh, there's this new thing to learn and how am I going to learn it and um, for me coming at a boot camp, it's just like, oh, well, no worries. Like I'll do what I can and like figure out the rest as I go. Um, and it's, and it's okay if you struggle, maybe you take a little bit longer than everyone else, but that's fine. Maybe you get it faster and that's fine too. So I think it's a, it's a good, definitely a good skill to have. That confidence in your ability to figure out new things is so valuable as a software developer. And that's something that Dev Mountain can provide. If you are interested in breaking into the technology space or switching careers or even picking up new skills if you're a developer but want to learn about web development or iOS or UX and UI, um, check out Dev Mountain. You can go to devmountain.com and uh, see all the information there. All right, back to the show. Do you want to read the next question, Dave? Sure. This one comes from a listener named Wally. And Wally writes, how do I solve an avoidance problem? He says, really enjoying the podcast so far. I've been listening since episode one. I finally have a question for you. What do you do when you're struggling with motivation to get a particular task done? Sometimes I'll be working on a project and things will go, go okay for a bit. But then there will come times when whenever I sit at the keyboard to do the next part, 
that needs to be done, and something in my brain starts screaming, Get away from the keyboard! And I will do practically anything else to avoid the work. Thoughts? Nope. Yep, I'm going <laughs> to avoid this question. <laughs> no thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else for a while. Do you want to handle this one, James? <laughs> so I totally suffer from this. It'll sometimes take me calendar weeks to do a task that in actual time working on it takes an hour or two. Some of it is procrastination, but it feels a little bit different from just procrastination too. Mm -hmm. uh, in that procrastination, well, does it feel different from procrastination? Is it like you have other things you want to do instead that you can justify as being just as valuable? I'm going to ask Google. <laughs> clicky, clicky, clack. Keyboard click. It says they're the same thing. On Google. <laughs> what are the two things? Procrastination and what? Avoidance. Oh, okay. Interesting. So this is one of those problems where when I first read the problem, I thought, yeah, that's not one I have. That's not a problem I deal with. And then, <laughs> I love how you admit that. <laughs> and then we're talking through it and I'm like, oh yeah, I have this problem too. <laughs> this is why you haven't cleaned your gutters in like years. That's not a problem I have. I don't have dirty gutters. <laughs> <laughs> So help me. I have this problem. What do you, I have it too. I'm, I'm right there with you, listener. What, so, what can we do? Here's what we do. You get yourself a little shock collar. You ever had one of those like that you put on pets to keep them from going out, out of your yard? Uh, yeah. And, and every time your computer senses that you're off task, it just gives you a little shock. And then the problem is you have to let your computer figure out if you're off task or not. And that's actually a really hard problem. <laughs> and then you avoid that problem. <laughs> you can't even start. <laughs> so I think for me, uh, one of the best ways to solve an avoidance problem is accountability. And it can't just be a fabricated, made-up accountability that I know is only there to help me solve an avoidance problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Like, if I know my team is counting on me in a visible way that they will see, I am way more motivated to deliver on the thing that needs to be delivered. That's really interesting that you say that because it can be the opposite for me. If I'm avoiding a task and then it, it grows in importance, it's like even harder for me to make myself work on it sometimes. So does like the pressure make you avoid it more? Yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it is the opposite, but... But sometimes it definitely is that. What What if you knew that the task, when finished, was going to be celebrated by everyone? Like, yay, Jameson did it. It's going to be. It's so great now. I like. You underestimate how broken I am as a human being, Dave. <laughs> None of your feeble motivational tricks will work on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that if you're in this situation and you have a manager who you trust to coach you. This is a great time to tell them, like, hey, I have an avoidance problem. And don't say procrastination, because even though Google says they mean the same thing, I think procrastination, <laughs> <laughs> I think procrastination has a connotation of laziness. Do you agree with that, Jameson? Like when you say the word, you think, oh, laziness. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as a proud procrastinator, I think it has a connotation of like grit and wealth and great great beauty <laughs> wealth that's what i think of <laughs> procrastinate your way to riches <laughs> i 
I don't know. I, I could see that. At least avoidance. When I read this question, I was like, this is a smart person. They they know these words and what these terms mean. So yeah. I think I, yeah. I, I could buy that, that it has a different connotation. It sounds like a psychology thing instead of like a pop psychology thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like it's almost real. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's all you need is the perception of reality. Yeah. So um, I think that some people would be worried about approaching their boss with a problem like this because, it, again, it's like, well, you've been lazy and I've been paying you. You know, and so your <laughs> mind starts to race yeah. with like all the possibilities like, oh, you're fired. Oh, you owe us back pay because... Or what's the opposite of back pay, where where you've been paid but you shouldn't have been, whatever that is. <laughs> um, you know, like your your mind might race with all these eventualities, but the the real the reality is that, in my experience, most man, most managers are only too happy to help coach you through this problem, and help you figure out a way that you can stay on track. So I would say ask a manager to help coach you with that situation if you have a manager you can trust, and you know talk to them about like sometimes just saying these things out loud will be enough to help you get through the situation so just explaining the problem to someone um, out loud and then hearing yourself verbalize it can help you to realize oh i can conquer this something that has helped me is breaking tasks down into smaller and smaller chunks Mm -hmm. sometimes i'm avoiding a problem because it's too big of a chunk to accomplish it's like and yeah yeah i'd say my inclination to do this waxes and wanes with i don't know there's there's some internal meter in somewhere inside of me, and if the meter is low, then I'll do this more. I don't know quite what powers it, but I, there there are definitely times where I need to use more tricks on myself to get myself to do things. And one of the tricks that works for me is breaking it down into very small, very concrete tasks and just checking a lot of them off one by one. You're like, I've broken this development task into 15 different sub-steps. Yep. Seven of those sub-steps are open your editor, and the other seven are close your editor <laughs> along the journey. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and I feel stupid saying it because it sounds so cliche and, and dumb, but it works for me. It helps me out. I don't know that there are universal tips about this, but yeah, I think yeah. the, the general thing of finding what helps you, and well, maybe even... I mentioned that internal meter thing. If you can identify what causes that to go up and down, maybe you can avoid this problem entirely by just keeping yourself healthy in some way so that you have whatever fills that meter up. Ooh, that's interesting. I'm going to call it gumption. If your gumption meter is high, (laughs) then you'll just do it. Just crank it out. Ooh, that would probably require some pretty serious introspection to figure out what gives you gumption. Yeah, that feels like the task of a lifetime, but... Yeah, yeah but a a valuable one. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think different people will have very different responses to this, or rather different solutions to this problem, even though I think many, many people suffer from it. Um, I've personally talked to two people who have worked through this problem, and they both told very different stories, even though the symptoms of the problem were the same, the symptoms being they just didn't get a lot of work done. Hmm. and they both described their solutions quite differently. Like one person was very task oriented. Like I just want, I want these tasks and I want my manager to hold me accountable to getting them done. And I want to feel like I need to report into my manager on a regular basis about the task status. Um, the other person was more, uh, I would think I'd to describe it. I would say it was more of an emotional thing. Like um, they felt guilt and like for not doing, getting something done on time. And then that guilt turned into more avoidance, um, which was like a vicious spiral. Um, 
And then sometimes, you know, your manager or your peers or something, they could say things that will actually make you feel more guilty, whether intended or not. Um, and so for this person, it was a matter of identifying that they were not a bad person. It was like a very visceral thing for them um, to be able to get through it. So I think that, that there's going to be a lot of different solutions to, for a lot of different people. That exact process has definitely happened to me before. That kind of spiral. There's even a name for it if it gets too intense. It's called catastrophizing, where you Ooh. say you're behind on a task and then you just start imagining all of these like branching consequences from being behind on that task that get worse and worse and worse. And you you convince yourself that all these horrible things are going to happen because this one mildly bad thing is happening. I think I, I think I do that. <laughs> <laughs> and they all end with like, and then the meteor that I created strikes the earth, destroying everything. <laughs> but it, it like starts with like, I forgot to reply to this email. <laughs> That same sort of thing happens to me every time I have like a, a symptom of some illness and I go online and I Google it and it's like, oh, yeah. this could be the flu, it could be a common headache, or it could be death. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Got bad news, you've caught death. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I have to offer. Good luck with this. It's a very difficult problem and you are not alone in uh, in feeling this way, I promise. Yeah, maybe I'll blab about that just to end that if if you're feeling that way where things are kind of spiraling a little bit, one really helpful, maybe the most helpful thing you can do is talk to somebody about it because holding it all inside is super unhealthy uh, and doesn't really resolve anything. And if you talk to someone about it, it's kind of like declaring email bankruptcy. If you have 30,000 unread <laughs> emails, you just delete them all like whatever. I would have read them if they were that important and it's too overwhelming <laughs> to deal with them. So I'm going to start over and, and kind of, talking to someone and and helping them understand what's really going on and how you're really feeling is a it, it can be a step to kind of getting back on track mm -hmm. super good oh i thought of one more thing um one person i talked to who suffered from this a lot they actually were quite they had set up a really distracting work environment for themselves you know they had like various different chat applications running um and this kind of stuff would interrupt them throughout their day. And mm -hmm. all it took was like one chat message that seemed interesting and boom, they would be off in a room chatting about some cool topic. And then an hour later they'd be like, Oh crap, <laughs> I just burned an hour and didn't even realize it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that for some people you can try to create a distraction free environment where you take active effort to suppress notifications and stuff. Because I'm, I'm telling you, if I came to work every day, and didn't actively suppress notifications, I could literally do nothing but reply to notifications. Like, oh, just got another email. Better reply to that. You know, yep. oh, here's a chat. Better reply to that. All day. Yeah. I kind of did that when I worked full time, but I've I've grown much more ruthless about suppressing things now that I'm self-employed because mm -hmm. it's my, my time is so much more tied to what I make. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been pretty interesting. Awesome. Well, question maybe answered? Question kind of answered. <laughs> question addressed in some ways. <laughs> question avoided. That was a good question. <laughs> if you have things that you've done to help you overcome this avoidance problem, I would love to hear them. Like I said, I think everyone has different things that cause it and different solutions, but it's kind of like watching someone use Vim, 
right? Everyone uses it in a slightly different way and everyone knows mm -hmm. some different subset of all the arcane commands. So you just learn something every time. For me, I do, no matter how experienced the Vim person is. It's like, oh, I didn't know you could press Q 15 times and then the period, and then that'll like draw a little happy face on your screen. <laughs> so share, share those tips if you've got them. Where can people go to share tips like that, Jameson? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you uh, go to our website, of course. Well, but you can't. <laughs> How are they going to share tips on our website? Because on our website, you can fill out a form or send us a Twitter direct message that will ask us a question. And you can just pretend like the question is actually your, your message to us. Okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'll buy that. <laughs> let's, let's just call it a workaround. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a that's an announcement. We've got a shiny new form. If you're uncomfortable using Twitter um, or you just want to give us some more details, then we have a form on our website to submit questions. Or if you like the Twitters, you can still use those too. Yep. And we won't even collect your uh, social security number. I mean, if you give it to us though. We'll definitely collect it. We'll put it in our collection. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll hang on to it. What if you lose yours? Then we'll have a copy of it. There you go. <laughs> We're just it's a public service. Speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and it's even available publicly as a true public service. <laughs> it's on GitHub. <laughs> okay, I think that's the signal. The worse the jokes get, the the more yeah. I know that it's time to end <laughs> we actually usually go on like this for about 45 minutes but we just choose to cut them off <laughs> yeah it's for your own good all right we'll catch you next week thank you